listening to another episode of the Niagara Moon Podcast. I'm Thomas Irwin, and I am quite fond of the episode that we have for this week. I was uh, going through Bandcamp, recent uh, psychedelic pop releases on there, and I stumbled across this amazing producer out in uh, British Columbia, Canada, Andrew Judah. He's a tremendously talented composer, arranger, producer. He also uh, scores music for TV and commercials. Um, I think we grew up on a lot of the same uh, sort of pop albums. I just I love his sensibility. His most recent album that, in fact, just came out about a month ago, Impossible Staircase, is an amazing listen. It's a, kind of a very harrowing journey through the uh, experience of someone struggling with addiction, told with a lot of verisimilitude. Um, really impactful listen, and I'm psyched that I got to talk to the guy behind it, talk about his craft. So let's get into it. I don't Canada, in Western Canada, but uh, where are you exactly? I'm in a place called Kelowna in British Columbia. It's about four hours from Vancouver. Wow. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it's pretty far from, from anything. <laughs> I <imagine laughs> well, I mean, a lot of trees and mountains. There is, but that's sort of Canada for you. Pretty much everything is far from everything. <laughs> so <laughs> we're pretty spread out. Is it nice out there? It is pretty nice. I think it's easy for me to take it for granted because I've lived here most of my life, but uh, not in Kelowna necessarily, but in British Columbia. And the nature is something that I'm just used to, I think. But I have friends from out of province or out of country who say that it's beautiful. So I'll, I'll take their word for it. I, I've uh, lived most of my life in Massachusetts, but I did live in the Seattle area for a little while. Mm-hmm. And yeah, Very Pacific similar. Northwest is... Yeah, it's beautiful, and I'll tell you what you got over us is no mosquitoes or ticks, as far as I can tell. <laughs> well, you know, funny enough, we actually just went on a little hike the other day, and we came back, and for the next three days, we were finding ticks, and they must have somehow attached to one of my dogs, but I looked it up, I took a picture of it, I think it's the harmless kind of tick, uh, a dog tick, so it, I don't the think it carries... One. Yeah, it doesn't carry Lyme disease, but I think you can still get, you know, a fever or something from it. But so far, wow. so good. But yeah, it was weird. I, I don't, I haven't seen many ticks before, but in the last week, I've seen probably eight of them. So, oh no, yeah, they're they're definitely on the rise all over. Yeah. it seems. Yeah. Uh, um. <laughs> well, uh, congratulations on the new album. I know that just came out a few weeks ago. Thank you. Yeah, it did. Uh, it came out on April twentieth. Did the, uh, you know, the whole pandemic, the uh, coronavirus crisis hitting, did that really um, mm-hmm. kind of, was that disappointing for you in terms of yeah. the timing of that with your release? Did that really put a damper on things? It was a challenge. And as you know, with release dates, it's kind of, you lock it in and there's quite a few things that have to happen in order for a release to go off smoothly promotion wise. Um and a lot of those things we'd been planning for, you know, it t- takes almost a good year to plan a proper record release, I think. And uh, pretty much all of our plans went out the window with the COVID thing. We had three tours canceled and a whole bunch of festival dates canceled and big release show with 
you know, a string section and a choir, kind of above oh. and beyond stuff, all canceled. So, My yeah, God. we it was kind of a bummer, but you know, it's affecting everybody in in some more serious ways than just not being able to play your music, yeah, uh, publicly. But yeah, no, it was it was disappointing for sure. Wow, and and how is uh, your area, British Columbia, is how's that faring? Um, with the, the lockdown and everything is, is that, uh, kind of more remote in general? Uh, people yeah. aren't uh, seeing the effects of it as much out there or? No, we're, we're pretty locked down. It was, I like going for long walks and I, I was on a long walk the other day and just kind of noticing how there was so few cars. It was uh-huh. quite strange. It was like a ghost town, but, uh, the amount of cases is extremely low here, which is sort of interesting, but we're still kind of fully complying with the yeah. with the lockdown situation so yeah it's been very interesting mm, yeah always definitely better to play it safe in general mm-hmm. keep the numbers low yeah given this huge you know shift in the last couple of months have you been able to you know make the most of it in other ways or, or kind of come up yeah. with some other stuff to do around your music to kind of you know suit yeah. the new situation Absolutely. Um, well, I've been producing some records for several friends of mine, and, and that's kept me pretty busy. And also, awesome. we started a podcast of our own, um, and I've really been enjoying doing that. Just the process of getting together, sitting, you know, six feet apart, as per the rules or whatever it yeah. is, and uh, recording these podcasts is, is quite fun. Um, yeah. It's just, uh, it's what's your ex- podcast called? It's called Sound Suspicious. Um, named it after a label I started uh, a while back. Hmm. Yeah. The thrill of uh, starting a podcast that you're really excited about and you have a bunch of plans for, it's definitely a, a very cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's. I'm noticing a lot more people doing it, um, the podcast thing, um, I guess just as a, a means of connecting with other musicians or promoting something you're working on or whatever. I mean, I think the cool thing about it is that it gives you an excuse to talk to people you might not otherwise uh, have a chance to talk to, which is really fun. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really malleable and you can kind of, uh, you can do a lot of different things with it. So definitely cool that you you got that going. Absolutely. So it seems like, you know, I was starting to listen to some of your albums and looking at the credits and, and seeing what you're up to. And it really seems like you do it all, uh, musically speaking. I was, I was wondering if you um, might be able to kind of break down your different creative roles. Like, uh, what, what would you say keeps you busy? Sure. Um, well, I think officially I spend a lot of time uh, as a composer for various film, television, advertising things. Uh, okay, so you're you're doing scoring and that type of yes. thing as well. Yeah, so I've been doing that for a number of years now, and uh, of course, my passion is is more along the lines of releasing my own records and uh, performing with the band. But but as you know, that's that's not generally the thing that pays the bills. So um, straddling that fence for sure, trying to do creative projects as much as I can, while at the same time. Uh, keeping myself busy with more lucrative projects, which is, you know, generally custom scoring and things like that. Oh, but it's great that you're still, I, I talked to somebody who kind of does is in a similar place with uh, their career in music a little while ago, a guy in Toronto, but uh, oh, cool. I was saying it's, it's great that you can 
still keep it connected to music and you're kind of exercising the same sort of muscles, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot to be thankful for there. It's a, I think it's an opportunity that we wouldn't have had even 20 years ago, this ability to kind of work from home um, in an area that you're, uh, I don't know, just obsessed with. For me, I, I couldn't, I don't, I'd have a hard time doing anything else but music. Yeah, there there's pros and cons to like living in an industry town, so to speak, mm-hmm. and having to kind of confine yourself to that. Is it, where you live is that an industry town? No, no, I'm not. I'm not near. Uh, I mean, the nearest major city is Boston, and that's like okay. two hours west. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the area I grew up, which similarly, it's like it's just a very nice uh, community here and, and quality of life, and mm-hmm. just kind of pretty and, and laid back. So. Uh, yeah, and it seems like that's more of an option now than it ever was in the past. Just yeah. kind of living where you like to live while still being able to do the work that you want to do. Yeah, which is fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of the on the flip side, like living in those industry places are less and less uh, artist friendly as the I years so. go on. I would say. Yeah, I've I've never lived in one of the major hubs. They're all priced out. Yeah, yeah, very expensive. Yeah. And also, I think you have the typical scenario of being, you know, a little fish in a big pond. Whereas, if you know, if you're yeah. living in an area like Kelowna, where I live, there's not a lot of musicians doing the same thing as what I'm doing. So, I'm, um, most of my work isn't local work, though. I, I generally work for companies down in the states. You know, they're mostly based out of New York or Los Angeles or the typical hubs. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, the, the internet is overall wonderful, I would say. Definitely mm-hmm. uh, great great tool in the right hands. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you're doing um you're doing scoring and you're you're doing original music and uh how how long has your journey been of of uh like music production and engineering and, and arrangement? I mean that's really something in particular yeah. that, that struck out at me as I was going over your, your stuff. Uh, kind of where, where did your like uh career uh, start would you say oh um well i guess it's a sort of a long-winded story but for me i've been sort of obsessed with records since i was younger you know probably in my early teens um and i was also into video games as a kid and so i had built my own pc in order to play a certain game i can't remember which one oh you're you're that tech savvy yeah it wasn't you know I just bought the parts and assembled it, basically kind of customized a a less than top quality PC into something that was better. Um, But where I'm going with that was that I didn't actually end up spending much time playing games because I, I think at the time had gotten some pirated software for music or something and became obsessed with it. I started with a program called Cool Edit Pro. I don't know if you remember that. I've heard of that. Uh, that yeah, that's pretty bare bones, right? It, yeah, pretty old very school. much. Yes, um, but it kind of gave me the the building blocks to what you could do with just a piece of software and you know one microphone. And I kind of became obsessed with it and spent a lot of time as a teenager just making recordings, um, and then you know reading things like Tape Op magazine or Sound on Sound yeah. or all the various forums that we've all Gear spent. Slots. Yes, <laughs> countless hours on them, uh, observing the arguments of people who should just be making music instead of comparing mic preamps. But <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, you realize yeah. that that's a whole 
that's a vast a rabbit, rabbit hole, hole for for some people for sure absolutely yeah and it you know there's a lot of good to be had from spending some time there and and learning the ropes but i think so many people just get trapped in the uh i don't know they're more of a, a music troll than they are an actual musician <laughs> spending countless hours on forums but uh yeah so you were really active in that um kind of uh what's the word autodidactically like this was just something mm. you found you found yourself and kind of were were a self-starter yeah. in that way or do, do you have like a that's a good way you know, to put like it. music in your family or something yeah no there's not a lot of music in my family i think my grandmother played the guitar and sang but i wasn't around her when she was doing that um my father did sing around the house um but he wasn't a professional musician or anything like that I I think we I shared a, a love of music uh, that I probably got from him. He would, you know, show us various Beatles records and things like that, and which, of course, became my favorite band, cliche. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you can hear it in the music. And, oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and also I think there's a love of making records that comes from being in love with groups like that as well, because I think one thing they were particularly good at was creating interesting recordings not just documenting songs um, right and kind of telling a story through like the sequence of songs over like a longer yeah, period exactly. of time like that emphasis on a on a journey absolutely and and creating albums that are meant to be listened to as albums rather than just collections yeah. of singles um which is another thing i kind of became obsessed with was just albums as an art form for sure and um did you end up going to school for anything music related as well? Uh, I did take some piano lessons very briefly as a kid, and then I shifted into guitar lessons uh, also briefly. I was a pretty terrible student <laughs> in each of these regards because I fortunately or unfortunately had a an ear that I could kind of sort of teach myself how to play most things at least close enough for me to be satisfied and to kind of not want to do the homework that whatever my teacher was trying to get me to do. So yeah, my, my experience in lessons was short-lived. I think maybe one of the things I did gain from, uh, you know, the traditional lessons was the ability to improvise, which I think kind of leads to writing a bit more freely. I'm yeah. Not you know, probably one of the most of important more... skills I learned. Absolutely, yeah, and I, I have that to be thankful for, for sure. I had a teacher who kind of put a heavy emphasis on let's just improvise together, and it was it was almost a jam session. But I think I learned more from that than anything else. Yeah. Um, but as far as audio engineering and production and all that goes, I I haven't taken any schooling for that. Just spent a lot of time. Uh, doing it and reading about it and listening to records. Those are yeah. kind of the, the main things. Yeah, it sounds like you have enough fascination with it on your own that you, you're kind of, you're running your own game. You don't you don't need somebody else to kind of tell you how to go about it. It's a, definitely the sense I get. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's a lot to be learned from how other people work. Uh, so reading interviews or, or watching videos on YouTube or... Anything like that, I always find there's there's something to be learned from um, how they work. But I'm not necessarily interested in learning about the quote-unquote correct way to do it. 
um, more than I am just, it's a means to an end, you know, I'm not in love with microphones, I'm in love with music. So Mm. if the microphone helps me get a better sound, then great. Yeah, important to make that distinction. Mm -hmm. But I can slip into that, of course, you know, the the gear obsession. (laughs) It's something that can totally happen. Yeah, in my my case, I've just, uh, I've ended up moving here and there enough in the last few years that I, it's it's restricted me to very minimal setup, I think probably for the better. Yeah, uh, I'm almost envious of that. Right now, for the first time uh, in a long time, or ever, I guess, I have kind of a proper studio. I built or converted a, a two-car garage that was detached Whoa. from the home where we live into a studio. So it's a fairly large room. It has a uh, I sort of divided up the garage. There's a rehearsal space and then there's a recording studio. Um, It's not fancy. It doesn't have proper treatment or anything like that. It's more or less just a large room full of instruments. But this is the first time I've had a dedicated space to work on music. And in the past, it's always just been, you know, a laptop in a bedroom with one microphone or two microphones, whatever gear was around. And I don't know, there's something about the mm-hmm. pressure of having a dedicated space that sometimes does make it harder to want to work on music. Uh, I kind of miss those bare bones days of just, you know, I don't have much, but I got to make it work. Right. Yeah. It helps you focus. Yeah. Yeah. If you're, if you're kind of stuck in a limited setup for too long, you, you start running over the same ground after a while too. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. The other Pluses end of and minuses to, to every setup. Yeah. The way that I'm working now in this larger space definitely affords me more tonal options but because there are so many options it can be harder to start yeah yeah Mm -hmm. i i uh i use a lot of uh software instruments in my case and i kind of Mm -hmm. just Mm -hmm. go with that vibe Mm -hmm. of kind of that like assimilating a real instrument but not quite i just more often than not yeah. go with that uh, aesthetic, but then you just have so many options. So recently I've been limited by how soon my uh, software crashes. <laughs> that's been my <laughs> external, yeah. Helper. Yeah, that's actually been my experience for the last couple days too. It's just how long can I go until this crashes? Uh, limitations though, of course, are, are great for productivity. When I made my first record, I didn't have any... Uh, any keyboards i just had this terrible casio keyboard that i got at the thrift shop and that keyboard as well as this little suitcase organ that i got off craigslist and i probably made more interesting sounds with just those two terrible keyboards than i would have made had i you know had access to a million vsts and the whole complete setup and all the amazing things that come with it just because i i think when you limit yourself to lesser tools, you're forced to be more uh, creative with them. Yeah, definitely. I, I've seen that play out for myself more and more over time. Because if you have too much new stuff to wrangle with, you end up spending all of your energy figuring out how to make the most of the tool instead of going back yeah. to your creative mission of uh, realizing exactly. the music you have in your head, basically. Yeah, exactly. I think there's an argument to be made for upgrading and expanding your toolkit very slowly yeah one piece at a time mm-hmm. um so impossible staircase which is the uh the most recent album did that start in the garage for you how, how long of a, a process was that putting that together yeah from the time i started um 
making demos for this record till the time it was released was roughly two years, um, which is quite a long time for me. Uh, but my intention was to take my time with this record and kind of uh, pour intention into every note, sort of, which was mm. sort of a response to my prior record, which was done under a very tight schedule. Uh, I made seven EPs, and each of them was constructed one at a time, one month at a time. And only the first EP was written before I started releasing them, so it was sort of this pressures-on scenario. Mm. Um, and I learned a lot from that just because of the time restrictions forced me not to second guess my choices as often and when you have a lot more time of course you can endlessly change things or shift them around which can be bad if you aren't committed to finishing it um yeah so with this record i wanted to be really to do the opposite which was to to go very slowly and kind of take my time with the writing and the recording and involve other players to um, add their character generally to parts that I had already written, but it was very nice to get better players to um, play those things. Yeah, I was kind of just looking over the credits. It seemed like there was a little more collaboration happening than previous releases. Got more Absolutely. Uh, other people involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd say this is my most collaborative release. And um, would you call it a concept album? I think so. To me, it is. Um, it's all centered around the same theme lyrically. Uh, I had a close friend who was, or is, struggling with addiction, uh, and it ended up being the, the thing that I was writing about. So mm. all of the songs are centered around his story, and uh, even musically, it's it gets pretty nerdy. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, self-referencing and, and, and things going on that are... Uh, more typical of a concept album, I would say. Something that was really cool about it is there are moments that are really intricate in the way they're constructed, and there's so much detail, but it's not getting distracted from kind of like the mission of the song or the heart of the song, if that makes sense. Like it still carries it forward, which I think can be a tricky thing to pull off. So hmm. that was really cool Thank to hear. You. Yeah, thanks. Did your friend end up having like input or contribution to to what you were making, or you were just were you like running it by them as you went along, or how did that? Uh... There was there was some of that. It was kind of it, without me kind of exposing someone else's dirty laundry. It, it was a very difficult period in their life, so it wasn't uh, it wasn't something that they were actively involved with, mm. but they were aware of what I was doing, and we have had a lot of back and forth exchange on it um and yeah they they gave me their stamp of approval more or less uh which was which was for me good i didn't want to kind of use someone else's tragedy as mm. fodder for art but at the same time i kind of realized that it was what i was writing about naturally and it would have been worse to suppress those ideas so yeah, yeah to you're kind of you're kind of denying the truth of of what you're working on so yeah exactly and i think also because it's such a sensitive subject i knew that i had to take my time so it kind of it worked out well in that regard and how did they like the uh the finished album mm -hmm. yeah they were talking to me about it the other day 
uh, I think it's quite hard for them to listen to uh, for obvious reasons because it's it's very much their their story and it you know they're, they're still going through the the difficulties associated with that um but yeah um it's a it's a it's been a positive thing for sure that's good to hear yeah that's that's kind of a i don't know, for some reason i can't there aren't uh, other albums that come to mind to me that really someone personal that they know and kind of bringing their experience into an album very specifically mm-hmm. like that I don't know there there might be something else out there, but that that's kind of a really uh, novel concept, I think. Well, I kind of wondered about it when I was working on it if it was better to tell the story, and sort of you know at least in the marketing or promotion of the record to say what it was about, or to leave it ambiguous. And the reason I chose to at least say what it is about was because, well, I think for one maybe it's obvious once you read the lyrics, but for two. I think we always have this struggle as musicians where we're told that we need a story, like we need how to have something to to talk about when it comes to our music beyond just, you know, band puts out new album. Right. You um, got to have some kind yeah. of overarching theme or make it personal or yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I've always in the past found that kind of to be a bit of a a difficulty because for the most part my story has been I just like making music. Uh, and I, I, yeah. I don't, I don't have some dramatic uh, thing to say or some way of expressing myself, uh, and it just happens to be music. I just like making music, and that was kind of the story for a very long time. Right, so, you want it to speak for itself. Yeah, and I still kind of do, but I realize that for for the general public, there does sort of need to be something to latch onto. Yeah. And I felt like this was maybe, maybe not the first time, but the strongest story that I could present at this time and say, you know, this is about this for those who care. Um, and for those who don't care. Yeah, and still true to the music. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I, I don't know how you feel about that. That's kind of a, a weird subject for musicians, I think. It's, especially oh, but people who it's, like... you're, it's, you're spot on. It really is the distinction between... And more and more so, I think, uh, as the market is so saturated, but it's uh, mm-hmm. the distinction between music, however good it might be, that just really doesn't get noticed a whole lot or breaks through and, and a lot of people pay attention to it and, and can tell other people about it. That story, that the the context is often... Mm-hmm. Oh, this is recorded at a cabin in the woods. Yeah. Or, you know, this is... It's about someone's mother who died or yeah, whatever. This there's, is Andy Warhol's big... band or... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Exactly. I, and I'm kind of trying to figure it out for myself too because I, I do see more and more how uh, important it can be. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't really force it either. It's got to be true to what you're doing. Yeah. So it's it's been a journey for me trying to trying to figure that out. It, it It's a really difficult thing. And I, I wish that it wasn't the case that everything had to be so... Uh, injected with uh, meaning beyond music just being a cool thing, but I, I totally understand why it's important to people, and um, you, you know, possibly it possibly it makes for better artwork. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I really was digging that um, you have like a slowly evolving like animated video on YouTube 
for the, for the full mm, album. Yeah. That was really cool to see. Mm-hmm. I don't... Oh, thank you. That was uh, the, the artist who did the artwork for this record and uh, several of my other records. That was just their process. <laughs> they kind of, they created it on this, uh, probably a tablet, I think, and it does a screen capture of the whole thing. It's it's pretty cool to watch. Yeah, no, I was kind of getting hypnotized by it for a while. That's actually a guy um, called uh, Mind of Max. He also produces his own music. You should check it out. It's really cool. So given the um, shift in the uh, the landscape as far as, uh, you know, live music and the music industry is concerned, this, the uh, the lockdown and kind of the, the effects afterward, what do you have uh, in the works or what do you... Um, kind of looking forward to to working on for the rest of this year. Yeah, uh, it's been an interesting shift, of course, for many of us. But for me, I think, uh, I don't know, it was weird because I think when you are nearing the finishing stages of a record, you kind of pour everything you can into it to try and complete it. And the story I was telling myself was that once this record is complete, I will be able to leave this studio. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be able to go out into the world and, you know, see new Uh, faces and... and... Right, after a long, long period of introspection and kind of keeping yourself and focus, yeah, but then... Yes, exactly. I'm I'm definitely naturally introspective and, and more of an introvert, but at the same time, I realize that it's healthy for me to go out and tour and, and see new faces and see new things and and do all of that. And I really look forward to it. And so when that didn't happen or wasn't able to happen, uh, sort of a weird mental shift kind of adjust to, you know, all right, I guess I'm I'm staying here. <laughs> More time in the studio. Do I go through that all over again? Yeah. For something else? Yeah. Or? I think you need to kind of live life too sometimes before you dive right back into a creative project of your own. Yeah. It can be you know, it can end up being a little monotonous to just do the same thing as much as I love making music. So it's been helpful to have uh, other projects to work on. I've been producing some records for uh, friends and that's that's been a, a positive creative outlet for me. Yeah, that's, that's great. I, it is a weird thing where you know that you're about to finish a release and all the all the work that goes along with that and all the preparation and finishing things and seeing things through all the details. And when you're all done with that, it is kind of the, the expectation is to kind of get out of your zone for a while and, 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 and be Mm -hmm. out and about, but then, then to, to not have that, it's, it's, I mean, it's always kind of a weird time in general, creatively when, at least in my experience, when you just finish something, yeah, and it's like you—you you want there to be kind of a gap there or a break. It, it would be weird to like yeah. continue creating with that <laughs> and still be in and that space. And the funny space. thing is, for me, I've always told myself that when I am near completion of a record, I'm gonna just dive right back in and I'm gonna make a new record. But that never seems to happen. I think because I feel completely creatively just empty at the yeah. end of yeah, making you're a record. Spent for you know? a while. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's healthy to acknowledge that and just kind of take a break and and do something else. Um but it just so happens that that something else is more music right now, which is you know, I'm I like it, so I'm I'm happy that it exists at least as something to do. 
But uh, I'm definitely looking forward to that time when we can resume playing shows and, and touring. Yeah. Well, it must be a nice kind of switch up to be producing for your friends and mm-hmm. feel like when you're when you're working on something that is not your original creation and you're not mm-hmm. steering the ship, it is kind of a, a totally different experience. Absolutely. Like you, you see yeah, it totally it's differently. Kind of totally. And it, it, the pressure of it being all on you is, is not there. And it has a different sort of a, or at least your role is different on every record that you're helping with. I find, um, some some records you may be playing a lot of things part of the you know part of the band as it were or maybe you're not playing anything and you're just audio engineering and making song arrangement suggestions or whatever it's uh the variety of what goes into producing records is also very enjoyable yeah there's so many i think it was uh tame and paula so kevin parker the guy between mm-hmm. The guy behind Tame and Paula, Kevin Parker, was talking about how it's yes. it's not lonely or monotonous working on an album all by himself because each step of the way, he was saying something like he feels like a different person. Like when he has to work on the drums, he's in a totally <laughs> different mode than by the time he's doing the vocals yeah. or he's like becomes all these different people along the way, which I thought was an interesting yeah. idea. Absolutely. I, there's something similar in a tape op article years ago that was written about uh, the artist Sufian Stevens. I'm not sure if you're aware of his mm. work. But, oh, uh, yeah. He was saying something along those lines where he just he changes characters as he's shifting instruments, you know. When he's on the bass, he's a bit of a thug, or when he's on the, you know, playing the oboe, he's a, a bit of a something else, just kind of changing your personality as you're working on different things. I don't, I don't know if I go that far, but definitely it does feel like each step of it is you're playing a different role. Yeah. Well, how, how many uh, different instruments do you play exactly? Because there's a lot sonically in each uh, song to song. I can imagine you definitely have a lot of kind of tools. Yeah. Um, I think I I specialize more in the, the normal instruments, <laughs> uh, things with keys or things with strings. Uh, I have a lot of guitars and different keyboards and basses and several drum kits and I've experimented with a lot of other instruments but I wouldn't say that they're things that I'm proficient on so I hesitate to say if I am actually somebody who plays those things so much as I am somebody who uses those things to record occasionally you you know the Uh, difference that sometimes you can kind of just learn the part that you need for that like for example on one of my the the way I play bass guitar (laughs) right Yeah. yeah um I uh, I needed a trumpet part on a record I made some years ago, and I didn't really know how to play the trumpet, but I rented a trumpet and learned what I needed to for that song, and then it got returned to the store. <laughs> Just a rental, but... It's convenient. Uh, it's like Blockbuster or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think I'm trying to do less of that now, though. I, I kind of had a must-do-everything-myself aesthetic for quite a while because I was really into artists who had a sort of insulary process and a singular voice, yeah. you know, people like Elliot Smith or oh, Sufi sure. Stevens or any of these people who seem like they do most of it themselves. And that still is something that I 
Well, that's basically how I work. I still am doing most of it myself, but I find it a lot more enjoyable to involve other musicians as often as possible. Um, and it sounds better. It just it sounds... Yeah. There's more variety. Definitely injects yeah. more energy pretty much every time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know, you you might write something, say, using a, a MIDI instrument, a VST, and you might think that's a pretty nice-sounding flute part, but I guarantee you it's not going to be as good as getting a good flautist into the studio and mm-hmm. them actually responding to that music and kind of injecting their personality into it, if they're a good player, of course, but it, yeah. just, it just adds so much. Yeah, I, I definitely had that experience with my most recent album with the upright bass. It's like, I guess this mm-hmm. kind of passes if I keep it as is, but it's, it's too much of a MIDI quality. Yeah. Let's get a, a real guy in here. Really yeah. Make it come alive yeah. more. It's the I think it's the very small imperfections and, and timing things that make us human that also make it more interesting to listen to. Yeah, that's definitely a good way to put it. Um, well, awesome. Andrew, this is, uh, we're really, um, you're speaking my language. I'm, I'm getting very keen on, uh, <laughs> producing my next, uh, song here. I got, uh, I got that tape op article energy going. Nice. <laughs> what kind of stuff are you working on right now? Oh, I'm, I'm going deep. <laughs> I, uh, my <laughs> most recent album was a little more, uh, like tied to a band arrangement. Like a lot of the songs have a drummer and it's, um, kind of Harry mm-hmm. Nilsson-y. Uh, oh, wonderful. Big Harry Nilsson fan. Yeah, yeah, no, he's great. I'm going a little more Baroque. I'm going I'm going more uh, Brian Wilson smile for at least a few songs, so. Love it. <laughs> going Love going it. a little deep. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, Smile is one of my favorite records. And, and the, the bootlegged version, not the recreated version. Uh, the, uh, the, the early, you know, the original yeah, version, the, the actual tapes. version. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's the, good uh, to hear it finished as a cohesive thing too. It's it's there's no real smile album. It's all these just different versions of the idea of it, I feel like. And then there's smiley yeah. smile. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> amazing, amazing stuff though. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'll have to share something with you. Um but anyway, Andrew, if uh, somebody wants to really dig into either your most recent album or your whole work, where do you like to uh, point people? Where should we check you out? Sure. Uh, I've got a website. It's just andrewjuda.com. Um, but of course, I'm on all the various streaming platforms and uh, Bandcamp and all that. Actually, we've got vinyl for the first time on vinyl. Bandcamp. So that's kind of wow. where I'm directing people now if, if you're into the vinyl thing. Awesome. Well, uh, yeah, this has been a ton of fun. I'm, uh, I'm definitely, the creative juice is flowing. This has been great. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. Good chatting with you. All right. I'm back here again by myself. So that was Andrew Judah. Very, very cool guy. Um, definitely could have kept talking shop with him for, for quite a while. It's always nice to uh, meet somebody who has the same particular fixation, fascination with uh, creating music as I do. By all means, I encourage you to check out that uh, animated video for the album on YouTube for Impossible Staircase. Uh, Also, his whole back catalog I was really uh, enjoying going through. 
lots of great songs there and lots of really interesting ideas. Uh, it was it was kind of a challenge to pick which song to uh, play for you to close things out, but I'm going to go with Raise Me Up. So enjoy that, and I will see you again real soon. <laughs> 